what things are already driving you, right? That you think about law or life that you're not maybe even fully conscious of, right? How you think about these things. And and I think that it can feel really scary, but the reality is those are often our um, driving instructions, if you will, right? And so they're operating on us whether we are paying attention to these messages or not. And so a lot of the work that we do with our clients and our students is really to say, can we pause here and pay attention to the messages that are operating on us um, already? Hi, I'm Hallie Ritsu. And I'm Allison Friedman. And this is Personal Jurisdiction. A podcast where we get personal with lawyers about their journeys before, during, and after law school. Join us for season three as our guests share their behind-the-scenes reflections on the highs and lows of how they got to where they are today. Okay, welcome back to Personal Jurisdiction. Today we are joined by Bridget Carr and Vivek Sankran, who are both clinical professors at the University of Michigan Law School. You might actually remember Bridget and Vivek from our Mental Health Awareness Month back in May of this year, where they shared many experiences from their course, Finding a Fulfilling Life in the Law. We're so excited to welcome them back to the podcast, and this time we are actually flipping the mics. That is because in addition to clinical teaching, Bridget and Vivek provide personalized coaching and workshops for practicing attorneys through their Law Life Profs platform. So today, they are going to be guiding me and Hallie through a few of the exercises that they use with their students and clients. And we hope that you all will also take advantage of these exercises on your own time to think deeply about why you're doing what you do and reflect on where you might want to go next. So with that, we'll turn the mic over to Bridget and Vivek. Thank you guys so much for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, Allison. And, and, and thank you both for you know having the vulnerability to try this to try yes. the exercises. You know, I think our hope today was to give um, listeners a kind of a, a feel for what types of um, exercises might be out there to help them figure out sort of a path forward because so many of us feel stuck at different times. And um, so we want to kind of just you know jump right into it. And so, you know, to frame for, for folks, you know, we had you uh, do two different exercises. One was sort of this idea of defining your values as it relates to, to life and work. And then the other was sort of generating different paths for your life, right? How to move mm-hmm. forward in different, in different ways. And we'll, we'll talk about each of them. But we wanted to start just by like, hearing from you about how it felt to do these exercises, right? What did you enjoy? Yes. What was hard? Like, just share with us a little bit about, about that. And you don't have to say that you loved every second. Like not the exercises are a buffet. That's what we always say to people. And some you're going to love and some are going to be a struggle. I mean, I'll say right off the bat, Allison and I had a phone call before this recording today just to check in on the episode. And we're texting last night as well, talking about how scary mm-hmm. it was to complete these exercises. Um, because I think something that we have in common is we don't love being reflective. (laughs) You know, we find it hard to, to be vulnerable and, um, that's something I think we have both learned and also grown a bit through this podcast. Um, even though we aren't the guests and we try to speak as little as possible, um, from episode one, season one until, you know, we just finished our 42nd episode we've learned a lot in what we feel comfortable sharing, but Mm -hmm. it was for me hard and scary to do these exercises because even though I feel pretty good about where I am right now, it's been a while since I've thought about it. 
And Hallie, what do you think about this quick follow up? Like what, yeah. what about this process is particularly scary, right? Why, why do you think, like, I think we all struggle at times to be vulnerable and do that reflect like, sort of that reflective practice. Like, but can you sort of, for you talk about why, like what part of it was scary? Yeah. I think Vivek that for me, it is scary because I'm in a season now where it's very important to me to be honest with myself about what's important to me, what my values are without caring about pressure from the outside world. Mm. Um, and I have worked really hard on that over the last mm -hmm. year or so. Um, and so continuously discovering what those values are, those things are that I want to do and being honest with myself about what they are and recognizing where they deviate maybe from what um, the expectations are is still like a frightening process for me. Yeah, such a great observation, right? Like it's so much easier. And I think a lot, a lot of what we see with lawyers is they, they want a life where they just pick a job and they stay there for the rest of their yeah. life and then they retire and then they're done because it, it that fear of the unknown of mm -hmm. what an exercise like this might reveal for you which is it might reveal that your values have changed since you started practicing or there's a new yeah. version of yourself now. Right. And then it requires the courage to, um, to do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like akin to like when you witness an injustice, you have to like, you feel compelled to act. So it's so yeah. much easier just to like close our eyes and not mm -hmm. see the world as it is. And I feel like a lot of us like fall into that trap because we don't want to see who we are because then we have to do something about it. I also think that law school trains us to believe that there's a finish line, mm -hmm. that there is this, this place we keep working towards. And it can be a little destabilizing when you realize that there isn't actually this one professional finish line. Mm -hmm. I hope that folks can have the reframe that it's actually energizing and exciting yeah. because it means there's so many things you can do, so many ways to engage, so many ways to be. But um, I think it is in many ways easier from a shallow perspective to be in that default setting all the time than to do the hard work that you were just talking about to figure out, well, what Definitely. if I'm different from the norms I'm feeling? I, I will just say though, I, I read somewhere where like, there is no sort of average person, right? Like those norms we hold ourselves to, or that we believe everyone's following. You just find that so many people are deviating from them that you mm -hmm. wonder if there's anyone actually marching totally in lockstep with them. Mm -hmm. Allison, what do you think? Yeah, so I will say, just kind of piggybacking off of that, I think that for me, this was difficult to complete the assignments. Um, first of all, I really, I did enjoy doing it once I was like in it. <laughs> but um, the initial kind of like prompts and things, I was like, oh, man, yeah, this is really going to push me to kind of like, put these words on paper, I can tell myself I'm like thinking about them and reflecting and things. And you know, I work a lot with my students and help them to reflect. And so you would think that I would be, you know, at least in the mindset of doing that myself. Um, but I realized, you know, I haven't done sort of those hard reflecting moments in quite a while. Um, so in that sense, it was like, nice to be able to do it. But I will say, looking back on sort of where I was and where I am now, it was almost like cringy a little bit <laughs> to me to like, look back and be like, Oh, my gosh, that is where I was. And that's like part of my personal journey and, and all of that. And so, you know, in some ways, I think it's good. But just, you know, I was very much like a box checker, a ladder climber, like, you know, a kind of like tick these things off type of thing. Very much like, you know, as you said, a finish line, 
you know, law school. Okay. Yes. Yay. I checked that box. Okay. Now I have this other job. Like I checked that box. Um, and it wasn't until I really kind of like did reflect and got in touch with like where I wanted to go for myself, not the box checking, the external validation, all of that, where I actually found a place that I really enjoy and like being in. So I think part of it was hard for me to also kind of like look back at that, that version of myself and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. That was like an interesting time in my life and slightly cringy, but I'm glad that we have come through that period (laughs) and are continuing to grow and build from there. Yeah. I would invite you to Allison to think about that. There may be times that you um, re-inhabit those spaces. I mean, I I think Mm -hmm. that both Vivek and I find often that we get caught up in whether it's the prestige chase or whatever it is. And sometimes we have to go, Whoa, there's that, you know, that messaging that lived within us so long. Cause I think most people who get to law school probably are box checkers in some ways. I'm not sure you get there (laughs) if if you're not. And so I would just encourage you to be gentle with yourself if you find that again, because I know that, um, that, that both of Vic and I find ourselves there again sometimes. And so we view, so, so one of the things that I mean, we view this assignment sort of foundational because without knowing your anchors, your values, it's hard to figure out next steps or pivots in your, in sort of re- redesigning a life. And so what we actually do, so we have a very similar assignment for our clients and, and a version of this that we use with students and to recreate sort of the, the, the setting that we often do is like, is they come in with this, with the reflection that you've just come in with. And then we, we like literally have folks read it out loud to one another mm-hmm. in pairs or in groups. And so we're going to do that right now, right? So we're going to, so um, uh, one of you can go first. Um, it doesn't matter who. And what I want to do is is just read it word for word. Um, and then the rest of us are going to, um, the three of us will listen, right? And, and reflect back what we hear. Because sometimes what's on paper doesn't actually capture what um what energizes us and and or, or what you know what our, our sort of the the true value might be that that we wrote down and so we're just going to do some reflecting back and so Bridget anything you'd add on to that to frame the assignment uh, I just think just to make it clear for our listeners we asked both of you to reflect on what we call your life view and your law view sort of what are your thoughts about like what things are already driving you, right? That you think about law or life that you're not maybe even fully conscious of, right? How you think about these things. And, and so I just, I just wanted to give our listeners a, a little bit of reflection of what you all were doing. And I think that it can feel really scary, but the reality is those are often our um, driving instructions, if you will, right? And so they're operating on us, whether we are paying attention to these messages or not. And so a lot of the work that we do with our clients and our students is really to say, can we pause here and pay attention to the messages that are operating on us um, already? Okay, so I will I will be the guinea pig. I will go ahead and read mine. <laughs> okay, um, so my law view, life view is, um, I work for a sense of fulfillment, meaning, and purpose in one aspect of my life. I am fortunate to be able to pursue a career that is not in pursuit of money, but rather one in which I seek to help others who are facing difficult, often societally, societally created obstacles, and or teaching others how to do so, and learning from them too. It's important to me to address systemic issues rather than just engaging in direct services, whether through the law or teaching, and to continue to learn and grow. I view my career as an invaluable part of who I am, but it is certainly not my entire identity. Having outlets outside of work that allow me to decompress or engage in less rigid and more creative processes is critical to my happiness, both at work and outside of it. Bridget, what did you, uh, what did you, what stood out for you as you heard Allison read it? One thing that stood out for me, Allison, is that 
even just how you wrote it and how you read it, is this thread that law and life are inextricably intertwined for you, right? It's not that you go to work and you leave that person, a different person at home and that you have a, a work self and then you have a home self. And I just really want to say, However people frame those experiences themselves is totally fine. It's just important to know whether those things are really integrated for yourself or whether you sort of separate them. And so I just think it was so clear that for you, how you operate in the world is one way and that, and, and that's a really good lesson to know and that you are trying to have a fully integrated self in all of those spaces. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that is, that is definitely spot on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's been like it's an incredible like part of being a lawyer and of being like a whole person for me. Also, I will say, I think it has at times led to some burnout because I have a difficult time like separating that or letting it go, you know, and just, as I said, I do think I need more creative outlets and sometimes that looks different and, and doesn't need to be like, you know, uh, intertwined with my everyday sort of what I'm doing, um, for work. But, um, so I guess it has been like definitely a strength of mine. And also I think at times a weakness, if I'm not kind of checking myself on that too. I think that's such a great observation, Allison. I would also say that if I had written, <clears throat> excuse me, one for myself, um, uh, let's say 12 years ago, it might've sounded very similar. Uh, and then having kids really changed that for me personally. So I just want to flag for people listening, you know, you can have one way that you approach both of these things and then it, it may change. You know, um, I, my, my home life has a different pull on me now in a different way and also has created, um, you know, new connections and, you know, you know, school parents that I know, you know, things mm -hmm. outside of the work I do at Michigan law as the director of the human trafficking clinic. And so none of these things are static, I guess, is my point. They, they, they grow and they change. Howie, what did you hear? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to reflect on Allison because I feel like I know her the best out of this group <laughs> and say I think what you all perceived through her reading of her law view about, you know, being her whole self in no matter where she is in her life is something I I really admire about Allison um because I I think that consistency is really hard. And it's really difficult to always be yourself. And I think she does a great job of that. And I will also say that Allison does not give herself enough credit, shocker, about all of the <laughs> things that she does outside of her career. I mean, this was several years ago, but she, when she was clerking, which was, you know, a much less rigorous job for her than being at the firm, I think she was, she took t guitar lessons um, a cocktail making class. I don't know, like four <laughs> other classes about different hobbies that she was trying to learn about. And she's always kind of doing that kind of stuff, learning about new things, pursuing different interests, even if, you know, she's not going to quit the law and become like a pottery maker. Um, so I, I think at least from the slight outside or a close friend, she has a great balance. Um, between her, you know, law view and, and what she's doing outside of what would be considered in that career circle. 
Oh, thanks, Sally. <laughs> this is why we're we're good, you know, co-hosts, of pumping course. each other up back and forth. <laughs> well, I, I just have to comment. So one of the things that we talk to our, our clients about and our students about is finding high quality connections or people who will call you into your best self and reflect your best self back to you. And so I just love that, the, that, that you two just modeled that, the importance of those people in your life and also the importance of those people in your life who say, gosh, you really don't seem to be being true to the things you say about yourself. Can we, can we talk about what's happening for you, right? It's both call you into your best self and maybe reflect when, when you're struggling a bit. And so I, I just love that as just a, a point of something we work really hard with folks. Cause you know, that takes a vulnerability right there mm-hmm. to be that open and authentic with someone else. And so that was really lovely. Well, and I think too, I mean, this is a fun exercise to do with someone that, you know, yes. relatively well, because I learned a lot from, about Allison from reading this couple pages. I really did. We chatted a little bit about it before the episode. So it's it's fun and it, it definitely a way to check in and, and just learn more about people who are close to you. Yeah, it's such a great point you make. I mean, I, you know, I think that oftentimes, even with our friends, we stick to surface level conversations. Yeah. And one of the things we've realized and most enjoyed about our class and our work with clients is we are having the types of conversations that people want to have, yes. but often find that it's awkward to have them with even the closest of, of, of relationships. And so it, it often takes some structure to say, all right, yeah. we are going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about what matters the most to you in life, right? Mm-hmm. And it just brings out um, a side of people that you never, you never hear about in ordinary mm-hmm. life. And then it opens up then this possibility for kind of a richness mm-hmm. in relationships that then you know, goes to what Bridget's talking about, which is really investing in these high quality connections that, you know, we, in our class, we take students, we, we pair them up randomly in groups of three. And by the end of the semester, they're like going off and doing things together and having fun and you know whatever it might be. And they, and um, these are students who didn't know each other, but they just connect. They, they have talked about things that mean so much to them that it really it creates this culture for them. I love that. I almost want to take this and like do it with all of my closest friends <laughs> just to like dig that layer deeper. You know, as you said, I think, you know, in general, I think Callie and I strive at least to have high quality connections, yeah. but this is kind of even taking it to mm-hmm. a different level. So, mm-hmm. Hallie, would you mind reading your, uh, your law view? Oh, I would just love to. Okay. <laughs> I work out of necessity And that means that this is the way I support myself um, and how I work for financial stability and freedom. Having a law degree and legal experience is important to me because it equals autonomy. Even if I don't see myself working at a firm again, I feel secure knowing that if I needed to, I have many options to be able to support myself. Um, So work for me is about autonomy, um, as are many things in my life, but it's also about using my brain and putting my skills and experience to use to help others. I view the law as a career and a career that I do love, um, but not as a calling because I think I could be happy in several different careers. And it's important to me that my work isn't my whole life. That's something I've discovered relatively recently that I need time to rest and to play to. I love that. Allison, let's start with you. What did you hear um, in Hallie's reflection? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think a couple of words that came like popping to the surface for me, one was autonomy and the other was um, play. So I think that, um, you know, again, knowing Hallie, I think that just in the last, as you said, kind of year or two years, um, you have, you know, put in like a lot of time and work into kind of building your own firm, but also at the same time doing that so that you could have more autonomy and more time to play. And I feel like just sort of like seeing you blossom in that space over the past year or so um, has been awesome because I do think like you have this thriving career, but at the same time, like you can go in the middle of the day and walk your dog. You can play like tennis in the middle of the day and all those things. Like I, you know, can hear it in your voice when you're like, this is the best. Like I literally just got back from tennis and now I get to record this podcast and then I get to go and have a call with, you know, one of my clients. And so just for you, I think having the the mix of those various items um, that has developed over the past, you know, couple of years, because of the hard work you've put in building your own space. Um, those are the kind of things that, that popped out to me. Mm-hmm. Bridget, what'd you hear? I just loved that your reflection was so embedded in your values. Meaning I feel like I could have pulled out autonomy and freedom and you can build a thousand different lives mm-hmm. around those values. And there just seems to be this deep sense of um, almost, I would say calm once that's realized, right? Yeah. That, and, and a centering, right? That, that when you know that those are your guiding forces, a lot of the other noise stops as long as your choices are in line with that. And mm-hmm. I think I love that calm and centeredness because I think it's what many of us are looking for. We're looking to know how to drive those choices. And I also, I just want to say, I love how much you believe in you. Thank you. I love it because so many people do not. And so it just, you, and you should believe in you, but like, and I, it was an unapologetic and it was so obvious to you that you believe in you that you didn't even have to like call it out. I just, I love that. Thank you. One of the things I really enjoyed about both of yours also is they, so, so I think in a way for, for list for audience, you know, people listening to this, it's a little unfair to do these exercises with the two of you because you have a degree of self-reflection that I think is pretty advanced in part. Even if you don't doing... like using it. And I want to just kind of, cause there might be people listening thinking, right. Oh, it would be a lot of work um, for me to even to know what I feel about these things. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I want, um, you know, one of the things we tell our students and our clients is, you know, the first step is just accept wherever you are in the journey. Right. We're all in different places. And, you know, we can, these exercises are useful wherever you are in the journey, but I, I, I worry at times that people will listen to things like this and they're like, oh, they have it all figured out. Right. And they're so far along. And I know you don't feel like you do, yeah. but, but I think that there, that you have this reflective muscle that really came through when I was hearing you say this of, you just know who you are mm-hmm. and what you want. And mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it's a really a goal um, for, for all of us to like, and, and it may not be journaling and I may, but like you're doing it somehow you're, you're finding space to think, um, and, um, and about who you are and, and what you want. I also love though, you know, when I compare your, uh, law view with what Allison wrote, like there's certainly points of overlap, mm-hmm. right? I think both for both of you play is important in some way, creativity, but there's, they're very different, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, for me and Allison, correct me if I'm wrong, but like for me, like 
your work comes closer to a calling that you feel almost compelled to use the law to right wrongs in society. And that's the main vehicle you want to use to do it. Whereas how like for you, like law's good. Like it seems like it's a career, like it's, mm-hmm. it's allowing you to do lots of really meaningful things in your life, but it's not necessarily what defines who you are in, in, and, and like, and tell me if I, and no, what, that's I, what right. I love about it is I think people on the, on this call need to recognize that like there's space for all of us. Yes. Um, yeah. Every summer we have the Brian Stevenson effect, which is we listen to Brian Stevenson, oh do some podcast gosh. interview and we're <laughs> like, what are we doing with our lives? We, which yes. we need to, uh, yep. you know, go move to Alabama yeah. and yep. just start representing people because that's what the world needs. And then like an hour later, we'll text each other and be like, but that's not who we are. Yeah. Right. Like, I need to, I need rest. I need to play. I need to yes. be a dad and a husband. And, it, and that's who I am. And doing an exercise like this can help you remind yourself that like, it is incredible that the world is full of so many different people with different values because we need every single one of them. And yet we act like we're all running the same race. <laughs> yes. We're not. Right. And so so I think these exercises hopefully remind us, like, which race are you running? Yeah. Which mm-hmm. life are you trying to lead? And, uh, you know, that's that's often what they do for me. And, and the one other way to do it that we haven't talked about is that for some folks, the law will just be a job. It will mm-hmm. be a way to meet your financial needs. And so for those people who are trying to design a fulfilling life, it may be how do you maximize your financial benefit in the smallest number of hours possible? And mm-hmm. so you choose differently based mm-hmm. on that than you do if it's a calling or if you're Brian Stevenson or if you're Bridget Carr, right? Yeah. And so we're all, we're, you know, we're all running different races and, and it, it can be good to remind ourselves of that because that is not the frame that law school puts you in. Right. Law school thinks, makes you believe that you're all on the same racetrack. Well, and I thank you both for providing me with that vocabulary because that was something that I thought a lot about after our first conversation back in May. And I certainly go through the Brian Stevenson effect basically every time <laughs> we have someone on the podcast And I'm like, well, I have these legal skills. I'm a good attorney. Why exactly? Why am I not doing X, Y, and Z? And then I have to tell myself, like, that is not my thing. That is not where I'm going to live the best life for me, where I'm meeting, you know, my certain values and my goals. And I feel like something that we can add to the job career calling is one isn't better than the other. Nope. It is quite okay. I don't feel bad, you know, sitting here still with law school debt to say law is my career. I'm a great attorney. I really enjoy having my own firm and helping people with their estate plans. Like it really means a lot to me, but there are a lot of other things I enjoy doing and it still was worth the time that I spent in law school because I did love law school and it was still worth the investment, but it's also not my calling. And maybe that will change, but maybe it won't. You're 100% right. And I think that one of the, the recurring things we've noticed with lawyers and law students is we torture ourselves on meaning yeah. and impact. Yeah. And yes. It's so interesting. Yes. One of the, the, uh, the assignments that, that we didn't have you do, but, but we do with, with, with some folks is talk about sort of their story, like their family upbringing. And it's fascinating to see people describe Yes. their parents in such loving terms about the impact and the meaning they had in their lives. 
And then, then they'll talk about their own sort of like impact in the world and they'll just be harsh, right? They'll be like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not because I'm not using the law as a way to solve every problem out there and gently pointing out or asking like, well, did you think that your parents didn't impact the world by being a good dad or being a good husband? And, and for some, it helps them recognize that they're just evaluating themselves with such a different lens. And, and we hope that it helps people realize that there are a million ways to impact the world. And only a small portion of that involves being a lawyer. And we undervalue so much that um, I, we hope that we just broaden that tent because every day through every interaction we have with other, other human beings, that's impact. We're just not paying attention to it. And I think some of it's because as society, we often don't value our relationships, whether they be friendships or, you know, relatives. I remember one time when my youngest brought this home for me, I was having to leave for a work thing and she didn't want me to leave. And I was trying to explain to her that I had to go because mommy has this job. And she looked at me and she goes, but mama, you are the only one who borned me. Oh my gosh. But, and, and it was like this idea that, right, that that I served this space in her life, that it doesn't matter, you know, whatever fancy event I was going, you know, that I am the only one who borned her. And we all have those relationships, whether we're parents or not, right? We have those relationships where we are the the only person that fulfills a certain space in someone's life, whether it's as an aunt or a cousin or a friend or, you know, and so I think it's a good reminder to us because those are not the things that are often talked about in our, in our society. And, and we, we, you know, it's good to be reminded of those things. Yeah, I think this also brings in sort of the idea that you touched on earlier, Bridget, which is kind of giving yourself like grace or empathy um, and like just being a little bit gentle with yourself, you know, if it's, you know, you're you're not going to, you know, accomplish every single thing right at this minute. But at the same time, like, you know, you're spending time with your children or like there's a million different spaces that you can be occupying yes. and um, having meaning for yourself. But yes. just like someone who's on the outside, it might not, it might not look like that. And so I think being kind of comfortable with that in your own skin and also giving yourself like some compassion and grace um, when you're not, you know, do, spreading yourself across every arena, because maybe that's not like what your goals are and what you want. But other people might be perceiving that for you, I guess. So I hope this I mean, this conversation, I think, uh, gives your listeners a sense of why we have this as like the foundational thing we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because it really does, I think, create sort of the, the, the anchor for everything else we do in our class and with our students, because it gives you something to revisit as you try to figure out your, your path forward. And so let's shift a little bit to the other set of exercises, which was, um, which was kind of fun as well and probably challenged you um, quite a bit. You know, one of the beliefs we have uh, in, in life design is, you know, Bridget says it, says it best, which is the sort of rejection of the notion that there's a yellow brick road out there and one path that we need to follow to be happy, right? This idea that if we just discover that one thing, that elusive thing out there, it's all a mystery. And we're like, you know, detectives trying to uncover it. And once we find it, we're, we're there. But the reality that we try to preach to folks is like, there's a million things out there that would align with your values. And the fun of life is, Rather than climbing a ladder to get to some destination, it's kind of like a jungle gym where you're just kind of swinging back and forth and trying things and figuring out how it aligns. And so one of the ways that we try to get folks to generate that brainstorming 
is by doing this, this journey mapping exercise where we ask you to identify three different paths for your life. One is kind of the path that you're currently on. One is if, you know, door one wasn't available, what would be your pivot to something um, new? Um, and then uh, path three is like money and prestige um, isn't an object. What would you do and, and, and why? And, and really the, the goal is just to get you to start brainstorming about different things that would, um, would fill you up. And so um, why don't we hear from, and maybe Hal, you can go first this time and talk about your three different paths that you identified. Yes, I would love to. Um, so path one or adventure one is called that thing you're on the path to do. And so I called this my entrepreneur and solo practitioner path. And, um, you know, I've talked about on the podcast, I started my own estate planning firm kind of last fall. I actually have not been able to dedicate as much time to it because I had a major health issue that I'm just now getting over. I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but I'm, I'm fine to share about it now. I actually was diagnosed with stage three cancer last fall. And, um, so my focus shifted a lot from pretty much everything else to trying just to get better. And now I am, um, which is really great. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, the path hasn't looked really like what I thought it would when I started out, but now that I'm able to dedicate more time to it, um, I really love the autonomy of having the time to design my own processes, my own schedule, kind of what you all identified and Allison identified, um, and also serve clients in a way that I think is more in line with my view of what legal services should be. And so um, my, I guess my questions about it right now and where I see some you know, potential struggles are really, you know, how do I, of course, make this profitable so that I can still live life in a way that's important to me, you know, having the things that I want and need, um, while also not spending all of my time working. And I think so I'm on the right track with that so far, um, especially now that I can dedicate more time to it. I think another part of it is, can I stay focused on it? You know, how do I maintain um, internal dedication to it? So I am, you know, making sure I'm doing things in a timely manner, but I'm also continuing to learn, which is very important to me um, without that external, you know, email coming through from whoever the big boss is telling me to do certain things. And again, so far, I feel like I've done a pretty good job with that. So I'd like to spend more time on, you know, connecting with people in the solo practitioner and estate planning community now that I'm able to be out and about a little bit more. And now that, you know, people generally are out and about a little bit more, I want to be consistent with some of the things that are around my practice, like um, doing my newsletter and just kind of general education building and then just, you know, getting my CLEs and continuing to learn. Um, so I spent a little bit more time on that one because that's my current practice or that's my current path. My adventure two is that thing you do if adventure one were suddenly gone. And um, maybe similar to Allison, it's it's not a crazy deviation because I do really value my um, legal knowledge and I see so many different paths 
within the law to be able to pursue if, you know, adventure one doesn't work out. So I would like to create a legal clinic or nonprofit that provides, you know, free or low cost estate plans to incarcerated individuals and those who can't afford estate planning legal services. And I think, you know, that would have maybe a teaching component to it because I do enjoy that part of life too. Um, and you know, I, I view that as a viable option for me in the future. And then adventure three, that thing you would do if you, if money image or prestige were not no object, um, that this is my writer, legal commentator, podcast and show host. This is where I break (laughs) into the media. I have, you know, another (laughs) podcast about just whatever I want to talk about, similar maybe to stay tuned with Preet, um, (laughs) except better. (laughs) I have a newsletter, you know, I'm on, I'm a legal commentator or just random person who's on the news. And I also publish a series of mystery novels. Um, so those are my three, (laughs) those are my three adventures. I'm, I'm very excited to hear what you all have to say about them. So first of all, yeah, thank you for sharing. I actually think it's um, one of the things that's that's often the hardest is just sharing kind of our dreams. Like especially Adventure 3 um, is really hard to share and it requires sort of a degree of vulnerability that is, Mm -hmm. we talked about before, is Mm -hmm. hard for folks. Um, One question I had, um, you know, is um, if any of these paths or all these paths are consistent with the values you just enunciated. Like you see them sort of like the path that you're on, maybe starting, like, is that, um, consistent with, um, with your values? Do you yes. see any tensions there? I think that they're all consistent with my values in the sense of, you know, all of them I would say are not really the nine to five office job, mm-hmm. um, and allow me to be relatively in control of not only myself and my schedule, which is important, but also, I think of it kind of as like my path or my content. Um, I know that there are restrictions or always serving, you know, someone or something, but in general, I think that they all um, fall into that category and help feed my need for autonomy. Allison or Bridget, any questions or reactions? One of the things I love is that, um, and this is what I also want to flag for people listening, is that not everyone is already actively doing something from their adventure three, like yeah. their, their journey three. And so uh, I love that. And I also want to say to folks, if you feel like the thing you would want to do is so far out of your reach, don't stress. <laughs> These <laughs> yeah. We can work on that. But I love that you're already living out part of the thing you would do if money and prestige weren't a thing. And, and it's mm-hmm. actually something we try to encourage our clients to do. Meaning what part can you carve out of that, of that adventure and, mm-hmm. and start doing it now and start figuring out what part you like and maybe what part you don't like. And, and, you know, I know for myself, I used to have thoughts that I, you know, I wanted to be an international human rights law lawyer. And like, what does that even mean? I'm still like, what does that word mean? <laughs> and I, I did a consulting project, um, doing that. And I, I, did not enjoy it. Like it was mm-hmm. not for me. Mm-hmm. And so such a good lesson though, that I'm energized by serving individual clients. And so, but if I had like applied for a job and like given up a job doing what I love and then did this thing, cause I thought it was what I wanted. Um, you know, one of the reasons we want people to test those things out is because certain things might not be a fit, but I love that for you, you're doing it and it is a fit. And then you can keep figuring out 
other ways to do it. So I just, I just wanted to flag that for folks that it's really great. And I think I'll, I'll tell you that after writing this the other day, I started to just do like a little outline of what my mystery novels would be because like it's been (gasps) on my mind for so long. And that doesn't mean it means everything and it means nothing, you know, like it's a small step that you can take that makes me feel like, oh, here's this thing I can do. There aren't that many barriers to doing it. What's one thing I can do to kind of like start to discover it? And I think I love that. <laughs> I think that's something though, Vic and Bridget, like Allison and I talk about this with a podcast. We wanted to start a podcast and we're like, oh, who are we to start a podcast? You know, not to name drop Preet again, but like we're not Preet. Who cares? It's not that hard to start a podcast. We did it. <laughs> we had to take tiny incremental steps. That's right. And yes. mentally like get there with ourselves. Yeah. You know, we started out being like, huh, that would be like such a great idea, but like we couldn't do that. And then we were like, wait a minute. We could, we do, could that. do And that. just those little steps to kind of bring yourself closer. So to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, to your point, just incorporating some of that, you know, journey three into your your everyday life, like that's how we started the podcast, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I also really love, I mean, when freedom and autonomy are your guiding values, you have the time if you want mm-hmm. to, if you make the choice and you want to carve it out to work on that novel. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the ways when, when your values are driving you that way, that even you have lots of interests, you, you can make that time now. Even yeah. if it's, you know, there's this great story about um, Robin at Peloton, who she used to be a, a big time lawyer, and she would just take 10 minutes a day to kind of vision what she wanted a job in the future to contain. And, and she wrote down the things that her head and her heart wanted. And when you read them now, you realize, yep, she wants to be like a VP at Peloton. But at the time, Peloton didn't exist. And so she was visioning this thing that wasn't quite in existence yet. But it can, it can be as little as 10 minutes a day. I will also just add that, you know, knowing Hallie, so again, this is slightly unfair, because because it's not <laughs> strictly written down in her journey mapping. But um, I think, and Holly, correct me if I'm wrong, that um, you're the thing you're on the path to do. So your journey one actually would have maybe been your journey two or journey three, yeah. like yes. a couple of years Definitely. ago. Um, and so, I mean, Hallie took like the, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, that is so brave and crazy. Like They're she crazy. just quit her big log job without having anything else lined up. And I was like, Hallie, are you okay? (laughs) What is going on? Are you sure this is what you want to do? And you were like, yeah, absolutely. This is the way I'm going to have the freedom to and the space to be able to build this firm that I want to build. And you did. And that was because you were very intentional about aligning your values with where you wanted to go. And that's how your journey mapping has kind of shifted over time. So I feel like you're like the perfect example of how this can actually kind of come into being that's kind of you again I don't want listeners to think it's you know been this very regimented process it really was a decision because I was not okay and I thought something has to change taking risks is really hard for me it still is um but I kind of viewed it as I have no other option Um, and also both Allison and I have done this journey mapping and the law of you life you several times before. Um, so it's a process you can repeat as often as you want. It does get easier. It does get more comfortable. (laughs) So, well, what I love is, I mean, like your reflection 
shows and your evolution and like in terms of your, your shifting journeys, I mean, you bet on yourself, right? Yes. You gave yourself the, the and, and you were willing to dream. I actually feel, you know, yeah. so Bridget, I got this email from a former student of ours oh. um, this past weekend who is a transactional lawyer at some big firm, took our class and he's doing fine. He likes his job-ish, like enough, but the seeds that we planted of you can dream big and we're giving you permission for this, you know, one amazing life that we get to live to dream a little bit bigger and not settle sparked something that he sent us an email saying, I've had this dream of, you know, getting the strength industry and strongman stuff. And, and this is my first, my email to you is going to, is my first step in first starting step? to talk about this dream. And he goes, and I want to now like have coffee when I'm back in town and um, start evangelizing like the idea of, like why this is, means so much to me, because and he goes, I don't want to, and I don't necessarily want to quit my job or anything like that, but I want to start talking about the things that I love to talk about. Yeah, and I'm like, that's the win right it there. Is. That's yeah. where Adventure Three is so powerful because it sometimes identifies the things we really care about, and then it's it's figuring out can we incorporate that in our lives today. Like oftentimes, Bridget and I will hear an idea, and then we'll be like, well, why don't you just start? Mm-hmm. Start a podcast, start writing that book, start doing whatever it is. And what we'll realize is students have never given themselves that option of like, and then they realize, well, I could do that, right? We had a kid mm-hmm. in our class who wanted to start a hummus business. Oh, the best hummus. And so we're like, we'll just start. And he did. He's selling hummus <laughs> yes. to law students. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and it's yeah. incredible. And he just needed someone to give him permission yeah. to say, totally. just do it. Just start right now. Yeah. Um, Allison, can we hear about your, uh, yeah. your three stories? Of course. So yes, that thing you're on the path to do for me um, is clinical teaching. So um, I started out, I think as most of our listeners know, in a fellowship at the University of Michigan. And then just this past year, I moved back to New Mexico, where I'm originally from. And so now I'm working in a, the economic justice clinic at the law school in New Mexico. Um, and so I think for me, this... Um, has provided, we've used these words a lot in this episode, but it has provided me with a lot of autonomy and freedom in the sense that like, you know, I um, design the classes in the clinic, like I pick the cases that we're going to do. You know, I have full sort of like freedom over how I want to run the clinic. And so all those things have been really rewarding for me. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me in this particular space is that I'm mainly doing kind of direct services work with my students right now, which I really love. Um, but I also sort of my like values in the sense of like the pursuit of justice, if you could call it that. Um, I feel like for me, I also need to be doing some more like broad policy work or some more like systemic change work. Um, And so I can get like a little bit frustrated at times um, when I feel like I'm not sort of like having that piece as a part of it. Um, And certainly I think I have over time the autonomy in the clinic to be able to maybe develop something like that. Um, But at least right now, as I'm just kind of like you know, starting out and getting my sea legs under me in this new clinic. Um, I haven't been pursuing as much of that. And so that has been like a little bit of attention, I think, um, in this space. So that is my adventure one. Um, my adventure two, that thing you do if adventure one were suddenly gone. So this ties into what I was just saying about my sense of kind of like the pursuit of justice um, more generally. So I think it wouldn't be like this 
major kind of pivot, but I would still be a lawyer and I would probably do something like working at the ACLU or something where you are pursuing more kind of like systemic, um, you know, cases um, and that type of thing. So I think in terms of my values, that just aligns with that. Um, On the flip side, I think you don't have as much autonomy and freedom in that particular space. So those for me, I think are kind of like, you know, flipped basically. Um, And at this point in my um, life, I I think I value the autonomy and the freedom a bit more because I think I, I can bring in sort of the systemic piece of things because I do have that autonomy. So that's kind of where I am with that. Um, And then adventure three, um, I think seems to kind of come out of left field for me. <laughs> but when I think about it more deeply, I think it's like my sense of like play and adventure and creativity is in this space. So I said that I would be some sort of like outdoor adventure or traveler. Um, and so like, I love hiking. I love the outdoors. Um, one of the reasons I was super excited about moving back to New Mexico was just like being more in that space. Um, and so I think that that would fit sort of my sense of like, adventure and wonder, I guess. Um, at the same time, I do wonder if I would get like bored in that space. So I feel like there would need to be some sort of like a, you know, blogging or a podcasting or like something where I was kind of like still bringing in that, the value of, you know, pursuit of justice, something like that, maybe like consulting with legal clinics in other countries or who knows. Um, but yeah, those are my three adventures. Yeah, thank you for sharing those. You know, I, I um, there's so many things I love just about how you shared them. Like one is you kept tying all three adventures back to your values. And I don't even know if you were doing that on purpose or it was just like, but like this, these anchors of autonomy and impact and systems work. And I was reading your, as you were saying it, reading, you know, what you had written about your values and they're all there, right? They're all sort of core things. And so I just love that it reflects like sort of who you are and what you want to do. I also love your honesty in recognizing that there are parts of each of these plans and your current job that don't fully align with necessarily where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And I actually think this is something that it's important for students to hear, which is while I think value coherence is an important thing to strive for, that like what you want out of your job and life sort of overlap, it doesn't happen overnight. Right, and that's right. why like having a North star about like what you want to move towards um, is, is important. Not to, so you don't want, you want to be in this space where you're not settling, but you realize that like some of us have financial obligations, family commitments. Um, you need to learn and you sometimes getting autonomy means that you have to have a period of your life where I certainly did, where all I did was worked all the time to get good at something. Yeah. So that way I can then create. And so that wasn't living necessarily according to the law. I wasn't living the life I necessarily wanted to live, but it helped me create later on. And so you were so open in all three of your plans, recognizing, yeah, this might not suit this, but it does this. But this is how we kind of build our way forward. Bridget, what do you think? I, I completely agree with Vic. I also think that... Um you know, I can see so much connection for all of yours, even your third one. It was interesting for me to hear you say, this one's going to come out of of left field, but I can think of ways already of how you might incorporate even just movement and hiking with populations that you're already interacting with. And then how do we get more policy stuff into what you're doing? Because I have, you know, I'm, I'm an insider in, in the job you do. Like I, I know those spaces. But what I think is important too about what Vivek is saying is that I think it can be really easily seen from the outside. 
When you see someone achieve something, you assume they knew how to get to the end point at the beginning. Meaning like, I think people look at me sometimes and think, oh, you started the human trafficking lab. You must have known exactly what you're going to do. Oh my gosh. So much (laughs) of what I do. I just kind of know where I want to end up. I don't necessarily even know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to take the next step that puts me closer to what I want my endpoint to be, which is one of the reasons this type of, you know, journey mapping to other things is so important. I mean, I think about even the class that Vivek and I are teaching at Michigan Law right now, or our coaching practice. We didn't nec- we didn't set out to do either of these things specifically, but we kind of just took the next step, kind of knew where we wanted to be, knew we wanted to be engaging in these conversations with people, right? That that, that energized us and we could see the impact it was having on others. And so, you know, if if listeners can take away the message of gosh, you don't have to know all the steps. And even and if you're paying attention on the journey, you may actually find a path that's even more exciting than the original one you set out to take. But I think too often we stop ourselves when we see someone achieve something because we think, I wouldn't have known how to do that. Well, guess what? Lots of those people didn't know how to do it either until they did it. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think that is very true for sort of every step in my career, you know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't like I envisioned like, Oh, here's exactly, you know, how I right. will get to this place and I'm going to do X, Y, Z step. And I think actually sort of the danger for me in the box checking ladder climbing piece of things is that it is kind of trying to do that. Whereas if you let your mind kind of like go and just say like, you know, if I could do anything, if I could be on adventure three, like here's where I would go. And then from there, kind of working to say, okay, I'm going to incorporate some of that into into my current situation rather than, oh my gosh, I'm just going to check this next box because then you're having this myopic view of like, here's the next thing rather than pulling back and actually seeing the full forest and being like, okay, here's where I actually would like to go, not just to that tree right in front of me. Yes. And I think I've just in reading this and hearing from you and then observing or connecting back to the last few years it's cool to see how much growth you continue to have, Allison, in seeing that this can be a great path now and there and it's okay to have many other things that I want to do because I mean obviously you would be great at whatever you want to do. But <laughs> I love just hearing that and learning more about the things that are important to you and the different ways that those may come into play in the future. Yeah, and I just love hearing from the two of you the stuff that fills you up both within this frame of being lawyers, but also that go well beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so, like, as I think about, like, the future of our profession and ways that I think the the profession needs to change and law schools needs to change is is recognizing that we are not just lawyers, Mm -hmm. right? We are human beings that have rich, nuanced, complicated identities of which the law is a, a big or small part of it, depending on who we are. Mm-hmm. But but it's important that we don't put the other sides of ourselves on hold or, or or get rid of them. And I fear that the message that too many are hearing is, if I'm a lawyer, I, you know, I can't go and travel the world and hike and enjoy myself, or I can't be home with my kids. Right? And I think the challenge before us is figuring out, yeah, we have to do it. It's not mm-hmm. a choice. I mean, like, th- right. this is the world we need to create. And we need to figure out how do we do the amazing things that being a lawyer gets us, you know, enables us to do while also not denying, you know, ourselves our right to create the, the life that, that we want. Mm-hmm. And so um, I thank you both for like just the opportunity to have these conversations. So Bridget and I 
selfishly. Like we, we have so much fun doing this for, for so many reasons. It, it brings out a side of our students that we don't get to see in law school and learn about their hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. And we just find that they are the most interesting people ever. And I think I feel like I leave now this hour, you know, knowing the two of you so much better than I did before. And I'm just a better person for it. And um, just, I love, I just, anything that can deepen our connections as, as, you know, as people here is, is just um, a true gift. And so Mm -hmm. thank you both for, for, being willing to do this. Yes. Thank you. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about our students, but our coaching clients as well, when we started this process, I think we really envisioned we'd be coaching a lot of uh, lawyers three to five years out of law school. But Mm -hmm. surprisingly, we've had a number of people who are partners at law firms. And it's been amazing to see them incorporate the skill set into their lives and make changes. And so I just want to say, if you're listening, sort of no matter where you are, on this journey of being human and being a lawyer and how to combine the two, that if we can be helpful in any way, uh, we, we would love to chat with you. Thank you guys so much. This was so fun, even if it was a little bit terrifying to have to do these <laughs> exercises and be vulnerable with our listeners, which we yes. personally don't do that often, despite no. asking our guests to do that. So um, thank you so much. We hope that our listeners try out the Law View Law Life and the journey mapping exercises. I know that they're super helpful and can be repeated many times. Um, they have been super helpful to us. Um, and, you know, reach out to, to Bridget and Vivek if you want even more um exercises or guidance um you know they're fantastic resources so thank you both for coming on the podcast again we we really appreciate it this is fun thank you thank you personal jurisdiction is powered and distributed by simplecast you don't have to wait until next week to hear more you can find us online at personaljxpod.com and on twitter at personaljxpod don't forget to subscribe to personal jurisdiction on apple podcasts spotify Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen so that you can be updated on the latest and greatest from personal jurisdiction. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate us five stars and leave a positive review so that other listeners can find our show too.